You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Good morning, church family. How's everybody this morning? Good? Man, it is so good to be back with our church family. Um, I just want to say thank you again on behalf of my entire family for uh, allowing us to have a couple weeks off um, so that we could welcome our our little Theodore back, or not back, but into our family for the first time. Um, He didn't like go to college and then come back, no. He's, he's here for the first time. Um, but we also just want to thank you guys um, for just your continued prayer for, for Theodore. Um, as, as you know, he was diagnosed with, um, I forget what it's called, hypothyroidism, but a, a, an infant version. Um, but you know what? We are just, we feel the encouragement of y'all's prayers with us. Um, we have no doubt uh, that God is our way maker and he's our miracle worker, uh, and Theodore is going to be totally fine. Um, but again, we just want to say thank you for your prayers, um, and we're so glad to be back. Um, it was week one. We were like, we want to go back to church already. We just missed all of you guys, um, so we're, we're happy to be here. Um, but today, we are starting a new series, um, and this series is going to be preached by none other than Pastor Josh. So let's just encourage Josh as he comes on up. Um, this is going to be a three-week series on the life of Jacob. Um, you can see the title there, but I'm just going to hand it over to Josh and, and allow him to lead us in this. Um, but I would encourage you, lean in. He's already told me a little bit about all the different points, and, and this is really good. Um, remember, this is a year of equipping, of focused equipping, and you're going to receive something today if you're ready to receive it. Amen? All right, so here's Pastor Josh. Thank you, Pastor Kai. Can we give our incredible lead pastors a round of applause and a welcome back? We love you guys. So good to have you in the house this morning. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing? Are we good? That is good to hear. Well, like Pastor Kai said, we are in 2020, our year of equipping. Say equipping. Equipping. All right. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I am being equipped. equipped. Now turn to your second choice and say, you are being equipped. We are being equipped. And man, I am... I am so excited. This is my first time preaching in 2020, and I, I've been chomping at the bit since our fresh start fast when the Lord began to download this message into my spirit, because the reason we believe this season of equipping is so essential is because we believe God is preparing our church for something. Amen? That Central City Assembly is going to play a key role in reviving the city of Tucson and reaping a massive harvest for the kingdom of God here. Do you believe that? That Tucson will and already is experiencing a massive revival like never before. During the 70s in the Jesus movement, Miracle Mile got its name because there were miracles up and down the street. People were getting healed. People were getting saved. Our city has a history, and I believe our city has an inheritance. Amen? And I say we are experiencing revival because it feels like every pastor that I talk to is like, man, something's different. 
right? Something's happening. The people are different. There is a fire and a passion in them that there wasn't before. And I'm seeing church plants pop up who aren't just about getting a building and filling it with people, but they are desperate to see a move of God and only want one thing, Jesus. And I'm seeing unity among believers like I've never seen in Tucson where it's not just about building their campuses, it's about building the kingdom, amen? And I'm seeing all of this and, and I, I believe this is only the beginning of what God is doing here in our city, our city, Tucson. Because when I say revival, I don't just mean signs and wonders, all right? Hear me, I love the supernatural, and I pray for miracles often because they are incredible tools of the kingdom, and I believe we're gonna see them, right? In faith, we will see healing, we will see deliverance, we will see miracles, but the thing is signs and wonders are not the definition of revival. They are the atmosphere of revival. In other words, signs and wonders and miracles, these things often accompany revival. They happen during revival, but they are not revival. That is not the goal. That is not what we're after. The second we stop being about the magnification and multiplication of Jesus, we're in trouble. Revival is when we see people's hearts and lives surrendered to Jesus and transformed through radical encounters with the God who loves them. That is what we're after. It's when the people of God humble themselves and pray because they are desperately obsessed with the presence and the person of God. That's why we're so passionate about prayer here. Revival isn't just a buzzword for us, it's a heart posture, and it starts with us. And that's why we're like, come pray in the morning, come, come pray early during a fast, fast. <laughs> All of these things because it's not just a word, it's, it's, it's an identity, it's who we are, it starts with us. So today, well, that's why we, we need to be equipped. We, we, we can't reap a harvest unless we know how to work the field. So today we are starting a three-week series on the life of Jacob. And, and what God showed me during the fast is that Jacob's story in Genesis gives us three life lessons that we cannot avoid. Okay? Now, you can avoid them. You can do anything you want. But if you do, you will only achieve a fraction of what God has planned for you. You will only walk in part of the destiny God designed for you. How many people only want part of what God has for them? Right, no! How many people want all of what God has for them? Every blessing, every provision, every victory, every piece of kingdom ground taken, everything. I want it all, church. Are you with me this morning? Come on. And in order to get it all, we need to be equipped. We need to embrace the lessons God is trying to teach us through Jacob so that we can walk in wholeness, so that we can walk in the fullness of everything God created us to be. How many know wholeness is more important than fullness that comes before the fullness? You can't, you can't do everything that you want to do, that you're created to do, unless you're a whole person, right? Think about a boat. A boat can't get to where it needs to go. It has holes in it. It's going to sink, and it's not fair to get mad at the boat for having for sinking when it has holes in it, right? So we need wholeness, and that's what this whole series is about, equipping us for wholeness. I love the way the Holy Spirit works because when Pastor Kai preached an incredible message a few weeks ago called What's Next? Um, in fact, if you have not heard the first two post-fast messages, 2020 Vision and What's Next, those are required reading for this year or required listening this year for CCA. Come on. Aside from our pastor being on another level and giving us some just incredible teaching, these messages are foundational as far as casting vision and direction setting for 2020 and beyond that. So please, 
Go listen to the podcast. Look it up on the website. Get on the same page with us. We would love to have you. We are ready for 2020. Who's ready for 2020? All right, but seriously, though, I love Holy Spirit because, man, when, when Pastor Kyle was preaching on what's next and blowing the roof off this thing, amen, um, I, I, I was blown away because everything he was talking about was teasing things that God was asking me to go deeper on in the fast. Something's happening. We are going somewhere today, church. If you want to know how to get a healed and a healthy heart, don't miss next week. Be here next week. All right? If you want to make sure that you live a life that walks in purpose, don't fall asleep today. I'm coming for you. And if you're trying to know God deeper, please be here for week three. Let's invest in this series because we believe it's important. We believe God is really trying to equip us here. If you can't make it, listen to the podcast. You can be engaged without being in the building. Amen? All right. God is doing something big here. And there is critical equipping that is going to take place. So get your notepads ready. Get your Bibles out. Get your amens on deck. Here we go. The title of today's message and the first life lesson you cannot avoid is protect your birthright. Let's pray. Jesus, have your way. Let every word out of my mouth be from you and for someone. And if it's not, let it fall to the ground. But God, I pray we catch what you're trying to give us today. That we don't leave here the same, but that you change something in us, and we take a piece of equipping with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we get into our text today, we have to understand some background. See, Jacob was the third generation of the first family of faith. His grandfather Abraham was promised by God that because of his faith, he would be the father of many nations, that his descendants would outnumber the stars and the sky. This was the promise that would birth not only the nation of, of Israel, but ultimately the lineage of Jesus. So we see why this is important to God, right? We see that these are the seeds of his plan to reconcile the earth back to himself. So Abraham had two sons. The first was an illegitimate son named Ishmael. He had with his servant Hagar because he failed to believe the promise that would be fulfilled through his elderly wife, Sarah. Now I know some of you are like, how come this guy is called the father of faith? He, he was unfaithful, we're off to a great start. <laughs> but how many of you know that you can still hit a bump in the road and that God will still take you to your destiny, that God's grace will still cover you and call you faithful and get you to the place you're supposed to be? That's just a commentary on how good our God is, amen? He's faithful, always, no exceptions. I feel like I need a rabbit trail here because this story is my story. This story is, is really personal to me because I believe that there are some people in the building who will check out of this series before it even starts um, because they feel like they're already disqualified. Like, Pastor Josh, I don't need life lessons. I needed life lessons. I messed my life up already. You're a little too late. <laughs> and for those people, I want to share my story. This is for you. I was a stereotypical youth group kid. I went to everything the church did. I came early. I stayed late. I hung out with my leaders like they were my parents. I was a church kid. But my childhood, woo, yeah. Thanks, Ayla. Uh, <laughs> one of you. Uh, <laughs> but 
I was a church kid. I, 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 was, I was always there. But like all of our childhood, our childhood sometimes can leave us with scars and baggage. And I didn't know how to deal with that in a healthy way. So rather than run to God, I decided to run away from him and be the author of my own happiness. How many of you know that doesn't work out so good? <laughs> so at 21 years old, I walk away from the church and I decide to do my own thing. And as most prodigal church kids do, I pursued something that most church kids have never had before. A girlfriend. And I found one. <laughs> and, and, and God is so amazing because even as I was being so, so, so stupid, um, he was still very kind to me and saying, son, this is not what I have for you. I have so much better for you. Don't pursue this relationship. But because I thought I was a better Lord of my life than Jesus, I didn't listen. I pursued that girl all the way to the great state of Arizona, to the great city of Tucson. And all that took was 15 months and the marriage I entered into imploded. Yeah, we got married. And 15 months later, that girl walked away from that relationship, leaving me feeling dejected, rejected, and disqualified. How many have been there? I thought I was done. I thought it was over. And I remember in that moment, as I was facing divorce and humiliation and just feeling tapped out, God was like, do you know who I am? I know you don't know who you are, and I would spend the next four plus currently working on that, but do you know who I am? I am the God that makes something out of nothing. I am the God that gives you beauty for your ashes. I am still the God of your story, so when I say, son, that you're not done, you are not done, and I believe that's a word for some of you this morning before we even get started. Somebody better say amen. That is a word for some of you. You're not done. You're not disqualified. Whatever happened in your past will not define you because God holds your future. And he is the God who can redeem the faithless and call them faithful. All you have to do is say yes. And that's what Abraham did. Despite all of that mess, Abraham's second son was given to him as promised by Sarah, and his name was Isaac. So generation one, we have Abraham. Generation two, we have Isaac, and now we come to generation three. Now the number three in biblical numerology, which is just the study of numbers as it relates to the Bible, and some numbers are significant, some numbers aren't, um, but biblical numerology, it means wholeness, completion, or perfection. We worship a, bless you, we worship a triune God, one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was also raised to life on the third day. We see three represented this way all throughout scripture. So it's safe to assume that the third generation of Abraham was going to bring about something, some kind of completion, some kind of promise. In fact, the Lord told Isaac's wife, Rebecca, when she was pregnant, that there were two nations in her womb. The Lord began to speak identity before they were even born. So Isaac and Rebecca had two fraternal twins, meaning they didn't look alike at all, but they came out together. The firstborn's name was Esau, which means just red, right? Because when he came out of his mother's womb, he was red and hairy. So they looked at him and went, red. That was his name, right? And because he was the firstborn son, Esau had a birthright. Say birthright. The birthright in that culture was given to the firstborn male simply because he was first in the birth order. Simply for being alive, this guy gets stuff, right? The birthright meant that the authority to lead the family into the next generation would be his once his father passed away. 
The birthright meant a double portion of, his, uh, of the inheritance that his father would leave behind. And the birthright was established, or, 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 the, or the birthright was the established destiny of the firstborn before they were even born. And this is what was given to Esau. Then the second twin to come out was Jacob, which means he grasps at the heel because when Jacob came out of his mother's womb, he was holding on to Esau's heel. But that's not the only thing that it means. See, Jacob is also slang in Hebrew for one who deceives or cheater. Can you imagine Jacob growing up in that house and that's what his parents named him? Like they took one look at that dude and was like, cheater. Like, that is the identity they gave him after just one look. And let me ask you this morning, has anybody ever done that to you? Has anybody ever taken one look at you and said, oh, that's, that's who you are. That's your identity. Oh, that's what you did. So that's who you are. Make, people make snap judgments about us based on very limited knowledge. And I was reading this and, and studying. Holy Spirit showed me something that Isaac and Rebecca were only speaking identity over their children based on the surface by only what they could physically see. Yet God told Rebecca who, who her sons would be, the destinies that they would fulfill before they were even born, before they were even physically seen. God knows who they were, and God knows who you are. His identity for you goes so much deeper than the surface. He formed your purpose and destiny before you were even a thought, before the foundations of the world, in fact, as Ephesians 1.4 says. He chose you, he loved you, he called you before anyone even saw you. He established your accomplishments before you were even born. Paul continues to make this point in Ephesians 2.10, and this one will be up on the screen. In the ESV translation, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But I love the Passion Translation. That's the Pentecostal translation, TPT. Um, <laughs> it says, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fill the destiny that has given each of us, or that, that, that he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned and advanced our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. See, just as Esau had a birthright, things he was destined to accomplish simply for being alive, so do we. God planned your destiny in advance, and all you have to do is walk in it. Just like the Hebrew birthright entitled Esau to physical territory, our birthright from our heavenly father dictates kingdom territory we are destined to take, what lives we are destined to impact. Well, Pastor Josh, I thought the birthright was only for the firstborn. That is a great question. I'm really glad you asked it. Because Colossians 1 says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And as we just read in Ephesians 2, we are joined to him. And the Bible also tells us that he's given us all authority. And that the same power that raised him from the dead lives in us. Therefore, his birthright is our birthright. Say, I have a birthright. Come on, you can say it louder than that. I have a birthright. So when people speak identity over you, or say things about you, or who you are that is contrary to the promises and the purposes God has for you, understand that they are only seeing you on the surface. They are not seeing you with God's eyes. When God looks at you, he sees the person he's been thinking about and loving since before the concept of time was reality. He sees everything you will become and will accomplish, and not just who you are, 
at one single moment in space. He authors your destiny, not people with limited perspective. So you tell those people, those voices, I have a birthright. Say, I have a birthright. birthright. You have a birthright, church. So now what? I I think our real question is, if we all have a birthright, why do so many people fail to receive it? Why, why, do so, why is there so much untapped potential in the kingdom of God? I don't believe people fail to fulfill their destinies or miss their purpose because somebody takes it from them, right? It's their birthright. It was given to them. It's, it's, it's irrevocable in that sense. But people lose their birthright because they don't cherish it or protect it. They make the choice to sell it or to give it away. You have to protect your birthright. And that's what today is all about in our story today. Within the story, I'm going to give you four, say four, four four ways you can protect your birthright and walk in your purpose. Let's get into the word. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 27. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back for you. That is yours to keep. If you have a glowing Bible, awesome. We love those too. Um, Just whatever it is, let's be intentional with God's word this morning. It is living and active and sharp. Thanks for helping me preach, Kiefer. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 27, says this. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in the field and he was exhausted. Say exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom, which just means red. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The first thing we have to notice in this text is the stark comparison between the two brothers, right? I love how the Bible takes a second to tell us here how uniquely different these two brothers really are. Esau is a skilled hunter, and Jacob is a quiet guy who likes to stay inside. Esau is outdoorsy, bass bro shop kind of dude, whereas Jacob is like a Netflix and Reddit type of guy who likes air conditioning. And honestly, Team Jacob. I mean, come on, let's be honest. The thing we should notice, or the second thing, rather, we should notice is the state of Esau. The text says he is exhausted, Now, I find this really odd because just a few verses before, the writer is very intentional to tell us that he was a skilled hunter. Why would a skilled hunter be exhausted from a simple daily hunting trip? I think what he's showing us is just because you're flowing out of your gifting and identity doesn't mean that you're immune to burnout. The word exhausted in the text actually is the Hebrew word ayafe, which means weary. When I hear weary, it reminds me of Galatians 6, 9, which says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I believe that verse is a word for some of you this morning as well. Could be the same people, could be different. (laughs) But I believe it's a word. 
I know things are crazy right now in your life, whoever you are. I know you're feeling like your back is up against the wall and that you're constantly fighting for the things God has for you and the things he, he's promised you. You're fighting at home. You're fighting at work. You're fighting in your relationships with your spouse and your kids. Not bad fighting. You're just, you're just contending. That's a better word. You're contending for the things that God has for you, but you're tired and you're starting to become weary. My encouragement to you this morning, friends, is don't give up. Don't compromise. See, Esau didn't even sell his birthright for anything bad. He just sold it for something less. Way less, but, but, but less. He compromised for something less. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. Don't compromise for what is less than what God has promised you. Don't give up. Don't settle. I promise you this. Like that verse says, your due season is right around the corner. Just don't grow weary. And the key is how do we protect our birthright from weariness? Our first point this morning is this. Refresh your spirit. Refresh your spirit. I believe that even the most skilled hunters such as Esau came back exhausted because he didn't prepare properly beforehand. He failed to refresh his spirit. And we have a responsibility as Christians to refresh our spirit. We need rest. And I'm not just talking about like sleep. Sleep is important, okay? Please try and get six to eight hours if you can. Children willing. I know all the newborn families are laughing at me. But six to eight hours, if you can, make it a priority. Watch less Netflix, get more sleep. But when I say rest, I mean rest in the Lord, and he will renew your strength. As believers with a birth, as believers with a birthright, this is our biggest part of our preparation, is resting in the Lord. We need to prioritize being refreshed by his word, refreshed by his presence. Make relationship with God the highest priority in your life. That is how you make your birthright weary-proof. See, the world has, has, a, has this understanding that like the more sleep I get, the more nothing I do, the more self-care. I think self-care is important, don't get me wrong. But the more inward-focused I am, the more rest I'm going to get. And, that, and, that, and that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. God promises to be our refuge, to be our rest. If we wait on him, as Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. He wants to refresh you on a consistent basis. If you feel like God has given you something, like you're, you're supposed to be doing this, but you're getting tired and worn out and bitter and negative, it's because you're not refreshing. You can do, you can work less hours and rest more and accomplish more in the Lord, right? You, you could work 12 hours a day or you could work eight hours a day and take two hours to be refreshed by the Lord and you'll accomplish more in eight than in 10. You have to refresh your spirit. Is that good? You guys got that? Awesome. The next thing that we see in the text is this. Esau did not see the value of his own birthright. Let's read verse 31 again. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die of what use is a birthright to me. And then Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. I think this exchange is hilarious. Like absolutely like office worthy. Like so funny. Because I feel like it's like us when we try and go on a diet. Right? <laughs> Hear me. Complete over-exaggeration. 
right? You may have eaten a perfectly healthy, appropriately portioned meal like two hours ago, but just because you're driving down the street, you're driving down Broadway, you are now starving for some Five Guys burgers and fries with a shake, right? What use is a diet? I'm about to die. I need me some Five Guys. We allow our immediate need and desire to eclipse our future glory and promise. I had a really real encounter, really real encounter with, I can't talk, (laughs) but I had a real encounter with this text during our Fresh Start Fast. How many of you participated in some way with our Fresh Start Fast? I'm not kidding, y'all. It was one of the most significant weeks of my life. And ask my wife, I can exaggerate a little bit sometimes. I'm not, though. Like, it was truly, it was truly significant for me. I got so much out of it. If you weren't raising your hand earlier, that's okay. We're going to do it again sooner than you think. Um, so trust us. It's, it's, it's worth it. Invest the next time it comes around. But while we were in the thick of our fast, I, I went to Bash's to pick up some juice because I was switching from water only to liquids. And how many of you know it's a bad idea to go to a grocery store during a fast? That's just, that's common sense, but I threw it out the window. Um, and I got my juice. I was leaving the store. I was walking down an aisle to the cash register. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. Chili Mac. I saw some Chili Mac. Now, on a good day, I wouldn't have even noticed it, right? Like, that is not something on the Delbridge family grocery list, okay? My wife makes amazing food, mostly not processed. She's awesome. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving her compliments right now. You, yeah, you, you can clap. You can clap. Yeah, you can clap. She's awesome. So that's not something I would normally love, but because I had not eaten anything or consumed anything really in three days except water, my heart was captivated by that Chili Mac. I thought, oh my gosh, what I would not give to eat this right now. And honestly, church, I'm not perfect. I started to reach for it. I, I, started, to, I started to grab it. And I heard the Lord say so, clear, so clearly in my kind of wry sense of humor, the Lord's really funny. He's like, are you really going to sell your birthright for a bowl of Bash's brand Chili Mac? Like, it wasn't even Chef Boyardee. Like, it wasn't even good. Like, it, it was bashes, okay? And, I, y'all, I got saved all over again. I was like, yes, Lord, just the juice. I'm leaving. Never mind. Swerve. Like, I was, I was out of there. But how often do we do that? How often do we get distracted by our struggle or our circumstance because it's immediately in front of us and we don't see the future promise and the future glory God has called us to? We don't see the significance of our own birthright. How often do we sell that birthright and give away our destiny in moments for a cup of what? Chili Mac? Compromise? Money? Netflix? Or maybe it's deeper, maybe you're dealing and struggling with some real stuff like pornography and sexual sin or drunkenness or whatever it might be. But my question to you is, what is worth more than the very reason you're alive, right? What is worth more than the destiny God has for you, the people who are supposed to know him because of you? See, Esau's eyes were closed to the significance of his own destiny, He wasn't just supposed to be the patriarch of his family. He was supposed to be a patriarch of our entire faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, or so it was supposed to be. But he lost perspective. The second way that we protect our birthright is keep your eyes open. Listen, parent. 
your child growing up to know and love Jesus is far more important than the struggle it might be to get them to go to church. Husband, wife, the healthy marriage God desires for you is worth way more than the effort it takes to sit down and work out your issues. Your co-workers encountering Jesus is far more valuable than the potential of them rejecting your request to pray for them or to come to church. We have to keep our eyes open. We have to keep our vision clear. 2020 vision, there you go. It's all, it's all coming together. We have to keep our eyes open this year to, to receive what God has for us, not just personally, but as a church. We have to keep it at the forefront. We're not just gathering here on a weekly basis for funsies. I mean, it's a lot of fun. We love you guys. It's amazing. But we believe God also has purpose and destiny in this gathering, that there are people who are going to know Jesus because CCA is a church. There are people who are, whose families are going to be reconnected and healed because we are a church. There's going to be people who are sick who are going to be healed because we are a church. But if we close our eyes to that significance, we can just we can become a Christian social club really, really easy. I love hanging out with you guys. You guys are awesome. I have the best church family ever. Amen. You guys can give yourself a hand clap. That's yeah. Come on. That was weak. It's for you, so. But for real, we have the best church family ever. I love that I get to be here. But we have to keep our eyes open. So that together, see the cool thing is we get to do it together. We get to achieve the destiny God has for us as a church together. We get to go with one another, we get to walk with one another, we get to encourage one another. It's amazing, it's the greatest gift. But we have to see it like that, not like, ah, oh, people. <laughs> Trust me, I've, 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 I've been there before my coffee. Oh my goodness, please don't talk to me. Not, not for my sake, for your sake. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> unholy now. I need to rein it in. But we have to keep our eyes open. You get that, church? Are we good? Say, keep your eyes open. Especially if you're falling asleep. All right, so the continuation of the storyline is actually Genesis chapter 27. So I'm only going to read a portion of it and summarize the rest because next week, spoiler alert, we're going to take a, a deep look at that chapter with a whole new topic. But there's really some significant things in this chapter for our current topic today because I believe what it reveals is two trends in Jacob's life and potentially in our lives that if they go unchecked, it's going to cause him to lose this newly acquired birthright. It can cause us to lose our birthright and miss our destiny. So let's read Genesis 27, starting in verse 1. I'll take a sec for y'all to flip over. All right, Genesis 27, starting in verse 1, says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speaking to your brother Esau. 
Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord. Or, sorry, and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat and, and so, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. He's a wise man in this moment. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau's, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into his hand or into the hand of her son Jacob. Now from there, I'm going to just summarize. Jacob then takes all this, deceives his father Isaac into blessing him, and when Esau comes back to receive the blessing that should have been his, Isaac has nothing to give him. Esau then becomes very angry and vows to kill Jacob once his father dies because Jacob now has not only his birthright, but his blessing. And I want to submit this to you, that the entire narrative of Jacob and Esau, from birthright to blessing, would not exist if it weren't for Jacob's insecurities. His every motive is, is driving him, or every motive that's driving him is based out of a feeling of being less than, being less than what he was created to be. And I'm not necessarily blaming Jacob for having insecurities either, okay? His family's pretty messed up. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that more next week, but he had a mother who told him his whole life that he wasn't enough, and that his brother Esau was the picture of what a man should be and that he'd have to take on his attributes in order to be successful and to get the things that he wanted and needed in life. And Jacob was her favorite. I can't imagine what she's saying to Esau, like, whew. He also had a father who would not bless him because he wasn't his brother Esau. Think about that. If the blessing was for Esau, where was Jacob's blessing, right? Jacob was the house that insecurity built. From day one of his life, his parents spoke the identity of cheater and deceiver over him, and that's exactly what he became, even though God had clearly called him to be a leader of nations, even before he was born. And what Jacob needed to do was clean his ears, and that is the third way you can protect your birthright. Clean your ears. We talked about this earlier. Don't let people's surface-level opinions of you dictate your identity. They don't know you like God knows you, and I get it. Sometimes we let that tape of all the negative things people say about us play over and over again in our minds, and we start to believe it. And, and, and maybe it's not the things other people say. Maybe it's the things you're saying about yourself, right? Maybe it's negative self-talk that you need to clean out, right? But Pastor Josh, I don't really believe the things God says about me. Maybe that's because your ears are so clogged with what everyone else is saying, that God's word has zero chance to actually get in your brain, to get in your heart. You gotta clean your ears out. Stop putting so much stock in what other people think about you and start believing what the creator of the universe has to say about you. It's all good stuff. We have to clean our ears out. 
And the final way to protect your birthright is to wear your own clothes. Worship team, you can come up. See, Jacob believed the lie that so many of us believe. That if only I could be like this person or look like that person or have this gifting, then I would be worthy of blessing and approval. Then I could accomplish my calling. Then I would feel and be complete. But that's a lie. The reality is God created you uniquely for a specific purpose. And when you try to be someone else, you not only rob the world of you, because God, God created you, you specifically. If you're off being somebody else, we don't have you now. We are deficient. The kingdom of God is deficient without who you were uniquely created to be. So, we, so you don't only rob the world of you, you actually forfeit the blessing you were so desperately desiring in the first place. The blessing Jacob was after was not one of material gain but a spiritual blessing of his identity. The problem with that was he was masquerading as his brother, which was a counterfeit identity, so what he received was a counterfeit blessing. We'll go into that more in the next two weeks, but Jacob actually left that place not with a blessing, but a wound. It would be years before Jacob would actually receive what he was looking for. So my question to you this morning is, what are you putting on yourself to earn a blessing that's already yours? What insecurities are causing you to be something you're not or to take on things that are not yours just so you can get a blessing that was yours to begin with? Jacob had an imperfect earthly father with only one blessing. I would say he might have been a legitimate biological father, but he was an illegitimate spiritual father. He only had one blessing to give. And maybe that's your story. Or maybe your parents gave you nothing. Maybe you received nothing. And I want you to know this morning, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you have a perfect heavenly father who has more than enough blessing to go around for all of his kids. And I believe he wants to give you a blessing of identity today if you let him. Our worship team is gonna play and I wanna invite you. If you're struggling with any of these four areas this morning, refreshing your spirit, if you're tired, if you're weary, keeping your eyes open, if you're having a hard time seeing everything God has for you, if you're dealing with negative thoughts, self-talk or the thoughts of other people rolling around in your head, or maybe you're just struggling to be you. Maybe you feel like you have to be everybody else in order to fit in or, or, or to function. I believe there is breakthrough for these areas this morning in the house. I believe that if you come to him right now, where you are, he is gonna do something in your life. He is going to equip you. And sometimes equipping is removing. Sometimes in order to help you be successful, God takes things away. He doesn't just give you things. So all you have to do is just right where you're at, start a conversation with him. Ask him for help. And I promise he's gonna meet you in this place. If you wanna pray with someone about these things or really anything else, we have our incredible prayer team in the back. My lovely wife, Rebecca, and Mark is also back there. Ladies with Rebecca, gentlemen with Mark, but we would love to pray for you. Don't be shy. They really wanna pray for you. 
They love you. They care for you. They want to shepherd you well in this moment. And then when you're ready, let's remember the finished work of Jesus together. We have communion in the back. If you're not a member of CCA, that's okay. You don't have to be to participate. You just have to be a follower of Jesus. And please, don't let anyone take communion alone. We're a family here, so feel free to just say, hey, come with me. Hey, don't do that alone. Hey, we'd love to have you over here. But welcome people in and invite them. Then after that, Tim's gonna lead us in a song and we'll end our time together. But I just wanna pray for you real quick as we enter into this time of response. Lord Jesus, you're in this place. You are here. You never left. You've been with us the whole time. You've seen our hurt. You've seen our pain. You've seen our brokenness. And you just want to bless our identity, our God-given, God-purchased identity, who we are in you, Jesus. So I pray for my church family that this would be a moment they say yes to you, that this would be a moment of breakthrough, that this would be a moment where they are equipped with something essential. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your everlasting faithfulness to us. Thank you for your heart for us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.